Matt on these podcasts. Mike DiStefano with you. Alongside, I got uh, Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects. We're you know, kind of going through uh, the big trade of the day. Kyle Dubas pulling the trigger, uh, getting some cap space in replace of Sammy Eric Kasperi, Kapanen, uh, also picking up uh, a first-rounder and a pretty good prospect in Philip Hollander uh, as well. Uh, so we've kind of gone through that trade, and, and we both are kind of in favor of saying Toronto uh, definitely did pretty well there in terms of value. Um, and there's probably some subsequent moves that are going to be made that uh, that you can also look at that are you know that have to do with this deal. Um, but let's talk about Kyle Dubas's season as a whole. So all week last week we did grading week where we went through we graded the top six, the bottom six, the defensemen, the goaltenders, the coaching, and uh, you know now I want to get to to Kyle Dubas and kind of grade how he did this season. And it was funny we were doing this anyways. I was having you on the show regardless, and you know he happened to just pull off a big trade the morning that we were going to record and gave us something to talk about that kind of makes it seem like it's uh, it's just perfect timing. It's like he listened to the show and knew that we were going to have this conversation today. But um, all in all, just a quick overview. Um, what have your thoughts been on Dubas and how he uh, went about his business during the 2019-2020 season? You know, I mean, we go back to just before last year's draft when he made the Marlowe trade, and and I think that kind of put a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. But it was kind of a, a move that he was trying to get out from something that Lou did in – I think it was a necessary move. I think maybe giving up that first round pick was a bit of a, a bit of a stretch to do. And, and I might not have done it, but uh, you look at what, what the trade could have been. And the reality is that it was supposed to be Patrick Marlowe and Kasperi Kapanen instead of that first round pick. And and a year later we get basically a year of Kapanen. We moved down two spots in the draft and it, it, it's worked out for us, but that was a trade that it, it, it kind of set the tone for the season where, where people were a little bit down on him. And then, he made the the Connor Brown Cody CC deal and uh, Nikita Zaitsev went back to Ottawa and, and that was big for them. And Cody CC was a, a pretty big disaster. Let's be honest; oh, it, yeah. it didn't go well for him. <laughs> we are not and, fans of Cody CC here on this podcast, and I will cry if they bring him back. Just so you know. Oh <laughs> uh, no, I was just kind of going over some of the trades and and the Cody CC deal it just didn't work out and that that is it is what it is but thankfully we don't have Zaitsev on the books for for multiple years after that and that's kind of I look at that trade and I kind of just go well it's done now it sucks but it's done and and it helped us get like I said get away from Nikita Zaitsev for years and and then there's the Kadri Berry trade and I think it was a rough summer for Dubas cuz like like I said the Kadri Berry trade maybe it looked good at the time but it didn't work out for the Leafs and and that ended up being kind of poor for them so but I think from that point on, you look at the deals he made, and, and I don't think there's really anything to to tr- complain about. I, I was a big fan of some of the smaller moves that he made, like he got he traded for for David Clarkson's cap space and, and got some of the uh, LTIR space available so that the Leafs could kind of toy with the cap and do what they do. Um, the Andreas Borgman for Jordan Schmaltz deal was what it was, but then there was the Jack Campbell deal midseason trying to get. Uh, a backup goalie also brought in Kyle Clifford. I really like that deal because I don't think the Leafs really gave up too much. Um, if they've re-signed Clifford, it becomes a second round pick. And I, I think I like the deal a lot less than, but I, I think if they don't re-sign Clifford and they, they got their backup goalie for the next couple of years and Jack Gamble, I think that's a solid get for them. Um, some of the other smaller deals like the, the Malgan trade, the, the Ben Harper tr- deal to Nashville, they weren't much. 
Um, getting rid of Michael Hutchison was kind of a, a relief for the fans mindset. Yeah. And that's, that's about what that was. But the, the one trade that I kind of go back to this year is the, the deal that they kind of snuck in on with Vegas and in Chicago, mm, Robin Leonard. Uh, yeah. They, they had Robin Leonard leaf. Great. Robin Leonard <laughs> for, for a short period of time. And they basically retained a little bit of cap space and bought it for a fifth round pick. Um, I, I think anytime you can do a deal like that and you can you can you weaponize some of the cap space that you have, even if it is only one point one million or whatever it was that they retained, getting that fifth round pick, if you're the least, you basically just bought a pick and that's awesome. And then we kind of cap off the year with with the deal that he made today and the that Kasperi Kapanen for the first round pick and Hollander deal. And I think the summer was rough for him, but everything after the summer was really, really good. It, like he he's a I think he's doing a good job overall, but he had a, a bit of a face plant last summer. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you look at those two trades, you know, bringing in a guy like Cody Cece and, and Tyson Berry to try and help the back end. And at the end of the day, it turned out to be kind of a, a detrimental move to this team. And, you know, you look at what Nazem Kadri is doing in the playoffs right now. Uh, that's that's that stings as as a Maple Leafs fan. And, and he's a guy who I think a lot of people look at that series against the Columbus and they're like, man, the Leafs really could have used the Nazem Kadri. And they don't have him and, and they don't have him for the next few seasons as well because they, you know, they got one year of Tyson Berry. It was a failed experiment. And, uh, you know, that was a that was a failed trade. But I, I agree with you where the rest of the season kind of, um, you know, he he. I think did some some nice work. Uh, I think the Campbell Clifford trade was was great. Um, I think the the decision to move on from Mike Babcock in about mid November when that team was going nowhere quick, you know, under five hundred with that talented of a roster, uh, they clearly lost the room. They weren't playing spirited hockey. Uh, it was just a, not a good situation in the Maple Leafs locker room, and and he saw that, and and he made the conscious decision to move on from Mike Babcock and finally bring in uh, Sheldon Keefe who everyone kind of knew was going to be taken over for Babcock at some point. I think if you would have told me that it was going to be before Christmas of this season, I would have told you that you were, you know, high out of your mind. But uh, obviously Dubas wasn't uh, wasn't shy to pull the trigger. And that was a a really good move. I think that totally changed the fortunes of this Leafs season. Now, obviously you look and they didn't make the playoffs you know, an unforeseen pandemic came about and kind of changed a lot of this season uh, for the Maple Leafs and, and for Kyle Dubas. But at the end of the day, I thought he did a pretty good, good, pretty good um, piece of business. The thing is, he was super active throughout the entire year, like whether it was making a trade, firing a coach, uh, making a signing. You know, he was really, really active. It seemed like every week or so he was there was some sort of news coming across the wire. Like you remember he extended, you know, Mitch Marner, that contract had, you know, kind of happened at the beginning of the year. Uh, Kapanen and Janssen also in the summer, they got their contract extensions. Muzzin got his contract extension around the trade deadline. Nick Patan ended up on the extension. Justin Hall, Pierre Engvall, like a lot of these guys ended up signing some some shorter term extensions. So, you know, for Kyle Dubas, something that I really, really noticed is he likes to be active and he does a lot throughout the year. Yeah, he seems like a guy who likes to tinker with, with what's going on. He likes to kind of beat. I think with the, the Marner deal and Nylander deal, he, he's learned to be a little bit proactive with signing guys because mm-hmm. 
I think with both those guys, he he decided, you know what, let's wait and and, and let the, we have time. He he said that numerous times in press conferences and in media availabilities. Is we have time. We don't we don't need a rush. We have time. Well, it turned out he didn't really have time with Nylander. And then with Marner, they were rushing at the end of things, and it was the same kind of deal. I think I think he learned from those. And this season, he became much more active with, with re-signing those small deals. Like you said, the Engvall deal, the Hall deal, the, the Muzzin deal. They, they were deals that needed to get done, and he got them done in season, and he got them done before the team had to necessarily worry about the playoffs and stuff before the pandemic and whatnot but and even he, during the pandemic he was still getting some things done right signing alex <laughs> barabanov out of uh, out of russia and then they got that finnish uh defenseman as well i can't remember his yep. name right now Miko Lettinen. Miko Lettinen, uh who's supposed to fact both those guys supposed to factor into to the team next year so even during the pandemic um he also signed uh you know a couple of prospects as well um you know he, he was he was busy during even the pandemic yeah, I think, like I said, overall, I think his his in-year was really, really good. I, I liked what he did. Almost everything that he did this year was good. Uh, like I said, he, he fell on his face a bit in the summer, and hopefully he learns from that in the future because dealing with the Marner deal, dealing with the trades he had to deal with, and, and deconstructing some of the things that were not, I don't want to necessarily left over from Lou Lamorello's reign, but like the, the Marlowe deal was a deal he had to kind of get out of, and, and that sucked, but he did what he had to do, and, and he kind of, he he faced the media and he was like, yeah, this sucks and this is what I had to do. And and the rest of the trades in the offseason, like I said, same thing. So I, I think overall his year was pretty good after a pretty rough start. And by the way, I do remember what my thought was when we were talking earlier. And I was like, I can't remember what I was trying to get to. Um, but did you see that David Pegnata had actually said that Jack Johnson was going oh, to be yes. involved in the trade. So when you said Cody Cece, and I was like, oh, my God, and I thought they were going to bring in another guy in Jack Johnson, that's where I was going with that point. And for some reason, I totally forgot where I was heading with that. But it was the David Pegnata uh, Jack Johnson tweet, which ended up getting, uh, well, it was wrong, and he ended up deleting that tweet as well and said, oh, my bad, guys. Uh, pulled the trigger on that one a little too quick. And thank God he did because we did not need to have Jack Johnson after finally getting rid of Cody CC and uh, Tyson Berry. And so luckily the trade uh, did not involve him or Tanev, who also was supposed to be involved in that trade. And then at yeah. some point that was also uh, fake news. Uh, but yeah, no, Kyle Dubas, I thought, uh, you know, did well today, did well for a majority of the season. And if I got to give him a grade on the year, I think I'm going to give Dubas a, a solid B plus. I think the biggest, no, a B. I got to give him a B because the Barry trade was, was a big, big fail. That was a big miss. And that docks him a lot of points for me. So I'm, I'm going to give him a B on the year. If you had to give him a good letter grade there, Tony, what are you giving him? See, I was kind of the same thing. If if the Barry trade hadn't been as, as disastrous as it was, I probably would have given him a B plus as well. But I, I think I have to settle with a B as well, because despite the fact that in my in my mind, I, I think that was a trade you make at the time. And if I was in that situation, I probably would have made the deal as well. But I think the way it turned out kind of sours the deal. So I, I think a B is a solid number or solid grade for him this year. And, and I can't really complain about it because the, the Leafs are still one of the best young talents cores in the league so i i don't think there's uh too much to really hate on for for kyle dubas's year and we'll chat a little bit more about this young talent that are coming up through the pipeline through the system we'll do that on the other side 
You want Chinese, they want pizza, and everyone is craving Froyo. There's something for everyone on DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside the door with new contactless delivery drop-off settings. With over 300,000 partners in the U.S., Puerto Rico, Canada, and Australia, you can support your local go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, or the Cheesecake Factory. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKEDONNHL. That's $5 and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app on the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNHL. Don't forget, that's code LOCKEDONNHL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Lease podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. Still with you alongside me is Tony Ferrari from Dauber Prospects. And Tony, a, a large majority of what you do is pretty much just watch prospects night and day. That's what you do for fun. That is your idea of a Friday night is sitting down with a pizza, maybe some popcorn, a, 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 a beer, and just watching a guy like Philip Hollander play in the SHL. Is this true or is that false information? I mean, it's not just at night. I do it at work as well. My job's pretty, <laughs> my job's pretty, I am pretty lucky with my job because I, I'm able to kind of set things up, get things going and then sit down at my computer for, for an hour or two at a time. And I, I've got it made pretty well there. So I, I'm able to toss on some of my streaming services and, and watch these kids throughout the day. And then I go home at night and I'm, I'm watching the NHL playoffs and I'll jump on a treadmill, throw throw a, a prospect game on my laptop. And it's basically what I do all the time. And I, I know my wife laughs at me all the time because I'm like, hey, hon, look what this Czech kid just did. <laughs> she she's like, why does do I, not care. Why do, yeah. Why, she goes, why do I really need to care about what this this kid in the Czech Junior League did? I, I, I don't know who he is. <laughs> so it, it's just one of those things. I love watching these kids play. So it's, it's always a blast for me. Just real quick, actually, since since you know we're we're on the conversation of that, for those who may want to get into scouting a little bit and, and they're just not too sure how to do it, like where do you find these games and, and watch these players? Like, is it a service that you have to subscribe to and you can get their shifts and get their games, or is there something that people who just you know want to do it as a hobby or just to try and get better at it so that they may be able to do it um, on a on a on a regular basis for you know like Dauber prospects? What's what you know? How do they go about doing that well one of the first things i started doing is just going to my local junior rink uh just go to the windsor spitfires game or the oshawa generals game wherever you're at and and try to watch the game there and and see if you can do that and see how much you like that because i'll be honest with you finding the games on tv if you're not local is pretty tough um the the streaming services uh, i'm lucky i i have a subscription through dauber prospects to instat hockey and they, they have the ability to I have the ability to break down a game into shifts. I have the ability to break down just I can watch every goal from a player's player's game or season. Mm. Even I can watch just offensive zone transitions. It's, it's a really, really awesome tool. And and Dauber process is lucky to pro, uh, partner with them. But before that, I, I, I was subscribed to the CHL live stuff. It's, it's not the cheapest thing, but if you can go in with some, some of your friends, maybe you get three, four guys together that, uh, you you want to work with and, and want to do stuff with kind of start a little group and and do that or or 
apply to places like Dauber Prospects. We're always looking for team writers. I know there's other outlets like FC Hockey that always looking for guys who scout. And a lot of the outlets have subscriptions to these services as well. So I know that was a big money saver for me personally. When I joined Dauber Prospects, I was able to get access to the the AHL Live account and the the CHL Live stuff. So I was able to watch a lot of these guys a lot more consistently because you can watch the the games on on hockey.tv and all these illegal streams but they're garbage for the (laughs) most part and you can't really see anything and and you have to be watching at that time and if you want to watch a swedish prospect that's at 9 a.m and unless you're me you can't really watch a guy at 9 a.m at work so it's it's tough but youtube's a great resource as well and there's always little services popping up like prospect shifts, which used to break down players games in the shifts as well. And you could pay like a $5 subscription to that. And there, there's a bunch of different stuff around, but if, if you really want to find something, you can always contact me on Twitter and I'll, I'm always willing to help out people find at least a couple games for people. Awesome. And, and, you know, hopefully through listening to this podcast, somebody uh, decides to reach out or, or decides to maybe, venture into uh into scouting a little bit because i know that it's it's just it's a lot of fun tony before we get any further with this conversation i gotta tell you about roman talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like oh i lost my mojo or avoid it altogether with excuses like i had a long day at work or sorry honey i'm just not feeling it But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get free online evaluations and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you free, two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash XX x and complete an online visit erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle but now there's roman complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it go to getroman.com slash locked on nhl today if approved you'll get 15 dollars off your first order of ed treatment that's getroman.com slash locked on getroman.com slash locked on uh, but let's get to it. Let's talk about some of the least prospects, some of the guys that you've been scouting for the past little bit now. And, and let's talk about the ones who are a little more ripened than the other. Let's get to uh, Rasmus Sandin, who did have a couple uh, a couple of stints with the Leafs this season. Didn't end up getting into any playoff games. But I thought that Sandin, in my opinion, um, played all right. His first stint definitely showed growth once he got recalled again about midway through the year. Uh, but what did you think about Sandine's season, and, and what are your thoughts on him going forward with the Leafs roster? Well, I think the the first thing I want to say is that it was a big mistake that he wasn't playing in the playoffs. I, I think he was a much more productive than, player than Cody Cece or even Justin Hall at times. There was, there was games that Rasmus Sandine really showed what he could do in the NHL, especially, like you said, on that second call-up. Uh, he's a guy that I think helps the team in, in just about every area. He's kind of that that two-way defenseman who who doesn't mind uh, chipping in offensively. He, he's able to kind of use his body in the, the defensive zone, and he, he's excellent with the positioning of the defensive zone. He's got one of the better sticks on the Leafs in general when he's, when he's breaking up plays along the boards and whatnot. And I, I think next year he's going to really assert himself, and I, I think he'll start on the third pairing, but I won't be shocked if he's – if he's pushing to, to try to get either himself or Jake Muzzin or Morgan Raleigh to move to the other side, 
maybe there I, I think there's going to be real real reason to try to have Rasmus Sandin play play more minutes than you expect to uh, a rookie to play next year and I think he's a re- really good player. He's developed really well over the last few years. And I think the, the the path that the Leafs put him on by using the fact that he is a European player and putting him in the AHL at 18, I think that was an awesome thing for his development. And uh, I think Lilligren's benefiting from the same thing. But as for Sandine, he was able to to grow his game, mature in the men's game, show what he can do in and make that step race to the NHL. Um, like I said, I think it was a mistake that he wasn't playing in the playoffs. I, I think the Leafs had a better chance with him in than with him out. And uh, I think next season, the the hockey world is really going to get a, a vision of what Rasmus Sandin really is. I don't think he's necessarily number one defenseman or, or even maybe not necessarily number two with the ceiling, but I think he's just going to be one of those guys that maybe has a, a similar impact to Jake Muzzin with a little bit less phys- physicality because I think he can contribute in all three areas of the, the ice. Well, that's really encouraging to hear because even today uh, in the press conference, Jake Muzzin or uh, Kyle Dubas, when when asked, oh, is there a certain <laughs> player makeup that you'll be looking for maybe to, to add? And he said, yeah, I'll take another Jake Muzzin. So if that means uh, Rasmus Sandin, I'm sure if they can fill within on a very cheap ELC contract, I'm sure they'll be willing to do that. Um, good to hear. Good to hear that, that you have some high praise and high hopes for Sandin because I know a lot of Leaf fans certainly do. Uh, another young defenseman that the Leafs uh, do have also is Timothy Lilligren. Not as I, I don't want to say it wasn't it wasn't as good, but like definitely he didn't show what we wanted to see out of a guy like Lilligren that's now what is draft plus three uh, draft plus three years. Has it been three years since he's been drafted? Draft plus two uh, years. Yeah. Um, so Lilligren, you know, he just hasn't taken that next step, I think, to show that he is is ready to to get a full-time role in the NHL. And he's kind of at that age where you see your first-round picks starting to get into the NHL, and he just doesn't seem like he's ready for it. Yeah, I think there's there's some concern with Lilligren, and I think some of it's unwarranted, but some of it is certainly warranted. Um, I, I think you look at a guy like Lilligren, and, and you, you look at the fact that he's been in the AHL for – for three years now or two years yeah, three years now. So he's a guy that I think he's on a slower development path than, than a lot of defensemen his age, because I think the things he had to work on weren't necessarily the, the growing up and, and getting physically stronger. Cause I think he's, he's there already. I think the things he needed to work on were, were more the getting used to the pace of the men's game and getting used to the pace of, of playing professional hockey because uh, he did a little bit in, in, Sweden but it it is a step up in the NHL and and when you look at his numbers in the AHL for his age he's actually producing at a a pretty decent clip his 30 points in 40 games this year for the Marlies were were really impressive I think I think he's done exactly what you want him to do at the AHL level and I think he is ready for that next step up next year I think he'll challenge for a spot on the third pairing most likely and I I wouldn't even be shocked if at some point next season we we see a Sandy and Lilligren pairing because at the AHL level, those two were dynamite together. I think I think they're really, really good complementary players of each other because I think, like, like I mentioned, Sandine doesn't necessarily have that physical game that Jake Jake Muzzin does, but I think Timothy Lilligren kind of leans into that a little bit more. And, and that's something he developed over the last year or so. 
Um, I think one of the things that he does really, really well is controls the gaps well defensively and, and kind of rides a guy into the boards. And I think that's where we're kind of losing it with, with Lilligren here is when, when he was going into his draft year, a lot of, before the year, he was ranked second on most boards. And there, there was a, a, a thought that he dropped it all the way to 17 to the Leafs. And, and, and that fact really soured people on him instantly. And I know Leafs fans got pretty happy because this kid was ranked second. What happened? And then because he was ranked second, I think people expected him to jump to the NHL right away. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there's a d- different development path for different styles of players. And the fact that Jake or sorry, not Jake Sanderson, um, Timothy Lilligren is a transitional and defensive defenseman and not the offensive defenseman that he may have been billed as prior to his draft year it is part of the reason why his his. <clears throat> well, that's something that I was actually going to ask you is, is Lilligren a guy who kind of on the fly has had to transition and, and change his game a little bit since he's been drafted? And maybe that's why it's taken him a little bit longer than we would hope to as Leaf fans for him to finally get it and and, and be that, that stud NHL quality defenseman that we thought he could be all those years ago. Yeah, I think he really is. I think he's a guy that... He, he has the offensive skills to be a, a very good transitional guy. I think he's one of the best breakout passers in the organization already. I, I think he rivals guys like Morgan Riley and in a guy like Jake Gardner when he was with the Leafs. Like he's, he's a very good breakout pass guy, and he's a guy that I've seen him make stretch passes from behind his net right to the opposing blue line to spring a guy, and it's tape to tape, like no problem. So I think there is that skill there, but developing that defensive side of the game and, and understanding that a guy that – isn't necessarily an offensive juggernaut isn't going to warrant the minutes that he is expecting. So if he wanted to play minutes in the NHL and he wanted to get to that role, he had to develop that defensive side of the game. And, and like you said, the fact that he may have had to change his playing style a little bit because he was a little bit more freewheeling in Sweden when he came over to the North American game and the AHL, he did have to reserve himself a little bit. And I think, I think that's where we're starting to see the growth. And I, I think the stint he had with the Maple Leafs was kind of, up and down because there were there were a few games where I looked at his game and I'm like this is the player that the Leafs are getting this is the guy that can kind of be that maybe Jake Muzzin light I, I know I've compared Sandine to him but I'm, I'm I think uh, Timothy Lilligren has that physicality a little bit more and in in is more willing to to pull that that board closing play that Jake Jake Muzzin does all the time where he's kind of coming to the boards leads with a stick pokes the puck free and finishes the the guy but not with necessarily a big hit but with body position. And that's something I think uh, Timothy Lilligren does exceptionally well. So I think he's going to be a, a more defensive defenseman than people g- initially gave him credit for and, and kind of projected him as when he was drafted. So I think next year, the year after the year, we're kind of b- going to be getting him. And and let's be honest, the the, the, the NHL draft's kind of a crapshoot. And they're, right. they're outside of the top 10, top 15 in most years. You're not guaranteed to get a player. So a guy that ends up playing maybe second pairing minutes at the NHL level. If, if everything works out, that's not a bad pick at 17th overall. And I think this year it's a little bit different because it's a bit of a deeper draft, but most years 17th overall, you're probably about 50, 50 for, for collecting an NHL player. And with that, I guess we can transition to uh, a pick that was taken last year in the second round that turned out to be a massive hit, and that was Nick Robertson. And we got to see him in the playoffs this season, uh, ended up suiting up for uh, for four games with the Maple Leafs. Um, what were your initial impressions on Robertson and what you saw from him at the NHL level? I think Nick Robertson made it really easy to trade Kasperi Kapanen. Yes, thank I, you. I th- 
I think that was a a thing that that the the Leafs tested in these playoffs, and as soon as they seen how, how to be honest, I, I was a little pissed off that the the Leafs took Robertson out of the lineup to put Janssen in. I, I think Robertson was a spark plug when he was with the Leafs, and his his time within the playoffs were I thought was really good. I, I he was active, he was engaged, he he looked off uh, Alexander Kerfoot the one time where he had the open net and he just took three shots right into defensemen. So. <laughs> there's definitely growth in his game, but I think this kid's a stud. I think he's going to be a guy that possibly challenges for 30 goals at the NHL level. Maybe he's a, a 30 goal, 20 assist guy or 30, 30 guy or 25, 25 guy. But I, I think he's going to be a guy that can step into the NHL next season and, and fill that role as the third line scoring winger. Um, you pair him with a guy like Kerfoot, like he was in the, the playoffs this year. And, and I think that's a pairing you can really run with on the third, third line. Uh, whether it's it's a Mikheyev or an Angball or, or maybe someone else that we, we don't know about yet, another prospect possibly developing, um, or a trade or a free agent, that you can fill that third that opposite wing on the third line with with someone else who's a competent skater and a competent playmaker. Because with with Robertson on that third line, I think you're really going to get a lot of production from that third line, and and he's going to be a presence on the second power play unit, which I think the Leafs desperately need. Yeah, which goes back to what we were talking about, Kasperi Kapanen earlier, how, you know, he was a big part of that power play on the second unit. And now you think about it, well, Robertson's a guy who can easily slide into that position. So I think you're bang on with with your valuation there that, you know, after seeing what Nick Robertson did this year in the playoffs, and I feel like that was always kind of a big reasoning why they gave him the opportunity to actually play here in the playoffs was they want to see what he has because someone had to go. Everybody knew that one of either Janssen or Kapanen were probably going to end up gone just based on um, contracts. So, and the fact that, you know, they both play on the rights. I think that that was just, you know, it definitely made sense that Robertson uh, was able to push one of those guys out. And, and it turned out that Kapanen just happened to have a lot more trade value. So Kapanen uh, ends up now with the Pittsburgh Penguins and Robertson will be a full timer with the Maple Leafs. Uh, real quick, let's just go through a couple other ones. That you can kind of give me a quick bullet points on these guys just because we're kind of Running a little long here, but uh, Jeremy Bracco, I think this is a player who people had a lot of expectations on him over the past couple of seasons and just hasn't kind of lived up to them, right? I think uh, he was, what, a, a late second-round pick a few years back and lit up the AHL and, and just hasn't taken that next step. Uh, your thoughts on Jeremy Bracco? Uh, I think he was just kind of stuck in the mud this year. I, to be honest, I don't I don't think he's an NHL player at this point. Um, I was always pretty wishy-washy on him. I, I thought there was a chance that he could in a top six role because I think he's not a guy that can play up and down the lineup. He's not a guy that's going to play on your third or fourth line. So I think his opportunity is going to be outside of Toronto. And I won't be shocked if he's one of the pieces that they, they send away in a trade this year. Um, Does this he even have value? Wasn't... Like at this point, do you think Jerry Bracco still has value and is somebody that opposing teams would be willing to roll the dice on considering he also kind of had that weird, mysterious problem where he like left the team at some point this season, which I don't even know if that ended up coming out or as to why he, he left, but you know, it seemed like there was a bit of a character issue or some locker room issue with Bracco as well. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of rumors going on and I won't, I won't kind of get into them on yeah. here because it's not confirmed or anything. So but there, there's there's concerns behind the scenes with him, and I think he's a good player. I think he has skill, and, and like I said, if he gets in the right position, I think 
he can be a, a productive player on an NHL power play maybe, but I, I don't think it's going to be in Toronto. And as for his value, I think at this point, it's mostly just if you, if you, if you're like 95% there on a trade, you, you throw Bracco in to get you that extra little bit. And, and that's where <laughs> you go with them. Janssen, Bracco and a third for top player on whatever team you were trying to acquire. We'll go Bracco. Exactly. Brocco, Janssen, and a third for Evgeny Malkin. He's on the block, right? Let's get us some Evgeny Malkin. <laughs> Maybe I mean, for Matt like Dumba. That seems like a perfectly fair trade. For Matt Dumba. Let's get Matt Dumba for that for that price. That's what we need, and that's exactly what we're willing to give up, and I think it's fair because I have to say it's fair. Uh, all right. Um, any other prospects that we kind of haven't touched on yet that you think took a big step forward this year that might factor in to the Leafs in the next season or two? Uh, one of the guys that I really like is Miku Kokkonen. He's uh, a defenseman that plays in Finland. He's 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 the guy that I think can really possibly be that defensive presence that the Leafs have been wanting for a few years now. Uh, he's, he's a reliable two-way guy. I think he has top four upside. Um, he's a little bit smaller. He's 5'11", but he's 200 pounds. He's stocky, and, and he doesn't let the the physicality get to him really at the in the men's level at uh, in in Finland. I think he's he's a really good player. Uh, defensively, he's he's well positioned and in he uses his stick well and likes to close in on the, on the boards. I think he's he's good in front of the net, but he he does need to get stronger. There's no doubt about that. There there's there's still room to grow for him, but I think he's a guy that could be a productive top four defenseman in a a defensive role primarily. I don't think he's going to be a power play guy at all, but he had 10 points in 39 games in the Liga this year, and and that's not bad for for a 20 year old defenseman or a 19 year old defenseman. Sorry, and I I think he's going to be a good player. He's a guy I liked going into the draft, and when the Leafs grabbed him, I was pretty stoked about it. And the Leafs are going to be able to add to this prospect depth uh, in the draft this season. Obviously, picking up a first round pick in the Kasperi Kapanen deal earlier uh, today, and uh, also 11 draft picks now in total for the Maple Leafs uh, going into the draft. So they'll have a good opportunity to uh, to to really upgrade that talent. I think most of them are in like the fifth, sixth, and seventh round. But hey, you never know. You never know, right? You always have some crapshoots uh, or some guys who come out of the fifth, sixth, and seventh that turn out to be some pretty darn good players. Um, so you really never know. Um, Tony, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Always enjoy your insight, especially when talking prospects. Thanks a lot for having me. I, I always enjoy coming on with you, so anytime. Good to hear. Good to hear because we'll probably get you on. Pretty soon with the uh, the draft now, pro- only just a couple of months away as we get into August, and this draft is it's gonna come, it's gonna get here. You're gonna be like, whoa! All right, here we are. Okay, it's the draft. Like days after the Stanley Cup gets awarded, and I'm gonna be uh, gonna be giving you a call to definitely come on and, and talk some draft prospects. So. Be ready for that one. Uh, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasting platforms to receive daily Leafs content. Follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey underscore Canuck. Tony, let the, let the listeners know where they can follow you and let them know uh, if you got any work coming out. Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at the Tony Ferrari. Um, Tony Fry was taken, so I had to add something to the front. <laughs> so uh, the Tony Fry is where you can follow me. Uh, I also have a, a weekly draft podcast, the Dauber's Draftcast. You can follow that on Twitter at Dauber Draftcast as well. Um, and, and I always have my work going out on DauberProspects.com. I, I just wrote an article about the Leafs trade today and, and what kind of 
what the, to expect from the Pittsburgh and the Toronto's perspective. And then I dove into some of the players that the Leafs could take with that 15th overall pick. Awesome. So definitely go check that out. That is definitely going to be something that a lot of these listeners are going to be interested in. So uh, go check out Tony's work and, and all the work over at Dauber. They're all fantastic. Uh, if you want some more hockey talk, be sure to check out the Locked On NHL podcast, where myself and four other Locked On hosts discuss the latest breaking news around the NHL each and every day. After this show, I'll be back with another one for you tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.